Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This is the third in our Easter series on 1 Peter. And this sermon was preached at Tawanton by Ray Albrecht. The passage is 1 Peter 2 verse 11 through to chapter 3 verse 7. And the topic is real hope and submission. Reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 to chapter 3 verse 7. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, This is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Wives, In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornments such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat with them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers.
This is the word of the Lord. Quite a reading, isn't it? And uh, today we're talking about hope and submission. I was very fortunate to have a mother and father that basically lived by the scriptures that we just read. My father was uh, always right. but not to the point where he didn't listen to my mother. Several times, <clears throat> excuse me, when uh, we would go to church and uh, some new people would turn up and uh, around the luncheon table afterwards, my mother would quietly say to my dad, be careful of that person. They're here to cause trouble. And... Uh, Often, well, most of the time, my mother was right. I don't know if my dad always listened to her and he suffered the consequences thereby. But mostly, I had a mother and father who loved one another and basically submitted to one another because they first submitted to God alone. So this word submission... What a word. I can also say I was in the early days of my Christian life, I was brought up in a group of people where the man's word was authority and uh, women were subjected to that man's authority. And uh, God bless them all. Women had to remain silent in church and had to wear hats and uh, be very submissive to the husbands or the men at the church. And it always appeared at church that the men were in control. Little did they know or did they realise that when they get home, even though the man was the head of the home, the woman was the neck that turned the head. So what does this word submission mean? Well, my Oxford Dictionary says to surrender oneself, cease to resist and yield. Keep in mind submission is not the same word as dominance. We need to understand that. Because dominance breaks down. But love and submission in love will build up. So I read in a commentary just recently that Peter, in his writing here, turns to the believer's relationships in the world and appeals for an attitude of submission as the, Christ, as the Christ-like way to true harmony and true freedom. Submission for the Lord's sake to those in government and societal authority will foster a good testimony to outsiders. So the people that people was writing to were either Greco-Roman origin or Jews and Christians who had escaped persecution and settled in these areas. And we saw just last week a map that was put up for us to see 
that all this area that Paul uh, that Peter is talking about is now in Turkey. So they were foreigners and exiles and urged to stay away from sinful desires which wage war against your souls, which is what the word of God says. So what is our soul? What wages war against our soul? It's, it, it's sin that wages war against our minds, our emotions and our will. And in John fifteen nineteen, Jesus said, if you belong to this world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And in Philippians, we're reminded, but we are citizens of heaven. So even though we have this new citizenship, when Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, he said, don't take them out of the world, but be with them so they can live in the world. And that's what God is expecting each one of us to do today. So in verse 12 of this reading, of 1 Peter, we're encouraged to live such good lives among the pagan or unbelieving neighbours that they, that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us, which is the Lord's coming again. So my question to you then is, how are you living with your neighbours? Hmm... I'll leave that one floating. So these pagans or unbelievers, Paul describes in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, and we have it up on the board there. And he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look like a mortal human being, birds, animals and reptiles. In other words, very little had changed since the time of Noah and the judges. And it says that these people did well, they did not cease from doing what was right in their own eyes. Does it sound a bit familiar to today? Does it sound like that those verses in Romans might be describing people today? The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit and joint and marrow of the heart. And this is what the word of God does when we read it and see what it actually says about those who are ungodly. Peter was very much aware of these attitudes and lifestyles, yet the very next word he uses, knowing these things, is submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor, which at that time was King Agrippa I, who was intent on putting Christians to death. And so whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And verse 15 and 16 says, For it is God's will that by doing good 
you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So live as free people, but do not use your freedom as cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Now, that's rather interesting, isn't it? Because a slave has to be submissive. And there's a part in the Bible which talks about these bond slaves. And you can find it in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. I can give you the scriptures later. But this is what happened back then, that the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife and my children. I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before the judges. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. Mm. And he says here, live as God's slaves. Maybe we should get our ear pierced. But the Apostle Paul addressed this issue several times when writing his letters to various churches and introduced himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. While when writing to Philemon, a particular man, he calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And then James, the brother of Jesus when writing his letter, also calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So who was Jesus to James? His brother. So here James is saying, I am deferring, I am submitting even to my own brother, who I recognize as being the Lord Jesus Christ. What an attitude. Are we children of God? The Bible says if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then we are children of God. And as children of God, we need to learn to submit to his authority. So, excuse me, in that reading that was read in Acts chapter 2, we see the lifestyle of the early Christians that they submitted so much to one another that they had all things in common, sharing together and, and submitting to one another. So no one was without. What a tremendous attitude was being shown by those early Christians in their love and submission one to another. So then Peter then addresses the slaves and he says, talks about in reverent fear of God, which is a vital key to a submissive lifestyle, not just for them, but for each of us today. The life of a slave is unknown to many of us today, although we have the benefit of history to help us understand the hardships and cruelty that many were subjected to. Even so, Peter says, if you get beaten for doing good, endure it. But if no credit to you if you get beaten for doing wrong. So he reminds us, though, of Christ's sufferings for us, even though he did no wrong. Isaiah 53 reminds us of this, as also in Isaiah 50, verse 6, 
where he, a, a prophetic word about Jesus says, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. That was way back in Isaiah, talking about what Jesus suffered prior to going to the cross. And then in Psalm 129, verse 3, he says, Plowmen have plowed my back and made furrows long, which was talking about the beating that Jesus got prior to going to the cross. Submission to authorities? Yes, he submitted himself to that. We're reminded also in Philippians, some of you will know this, where it says, rather Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and becoming obedient to death, even the death on the cross. So we understand that Jesus' submission to his father when we read that at least seven times in the book of John, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Or in chapter 5 verse 30, he says, by myself I can do nothing. So here we see that submissive heart of Jesus to his father, did nothing of his own. And here's a scripture that always gets to me. In in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8, he says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now that's an interesting scripture, isn't it? That Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. We'd say, oh, but it must have been easy for Jesus to be obedient to his father. No. Jesus had to be attentive to the voice of his father at all times. And when he was being accused by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and those round about him, how difficult do you think it would be to hear what his father was saying? But he learned obedience by the things suffered. So Peter states, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. This is true servanthood. This is true submission. But then Peter goes on to talk about other issues, which we might find a little difficult. So then he, in in chapter 3 verses 1 to 6, Peter then addresses the wives. Now, of course, all the men start to prick their ears up and think, well, I'm going to find out what I can teach my wife about this. Because in that scripture, it says, wives, in the same way as what we've just talked about with slaves and submission. He says, submit yourselves to your husbands. So wake up, men. Be ready to listen. But I'm sorry. We're going to go to the men first. 
We'll come back to the wives in a moment because I believe that it's far more important for us men to understand what the Word of God says first if we're to be the leaders in the household or even the leaders in the church. So we're going to have a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 33. You can look it up in the church Bibles. I don't know what page it is, but you'll find it. It comes just before Revelation and just after Genesis. (laughs) So this scripture, which states, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Men, that's how we treat our wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I remember very clearly in my uh, promise to my wives... (laughs) My first wife, who has gone to be with Jesus, but also to my charming wife, Di, that I was very much aware of this very scripture, that I must love Di in the same way that Christ loved the church and I must be ready to give my life for her. That's what the Bible is saying here in Ephesians. Men, are you prepared for that? Are you ready for that? Because he goes on to say, in the same way. Now, where is he referring to? Back to that of servants. So men, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, men, if you can treat your wife or a woman with this sort of respect and love and consideration, they will want to show you honour just as the church honours Jesus Christ. You do your part first, men, and the women will feel quite happy to come under that leadership because you first of all submit yourself to God and listening to him. And in doing that, a woman will be prepared to submit to you as well. That puts a lot more 
onus on the men rather than the wives. So we come to the wives. Let's not forget them. So basically, Peter is saying about the wives, it is the purity and reverence of your lives, your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. It's not so much about elaborate outward adornment, but more about how you would present yourself to God your Father and to Christ. How would you do that, ladies? So husbands and wives are to model their relationship on Christ and the church. If you can do that, you're doing very, very well. But what about church leadership? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. For those of us who have been in leadership in churches, we've had to be very careful about the things that we try and teach people from out of the word of God because as it says there, we have to give an account. And the Bible also says that the shepherds will be treated more harshly for the things that they have said and how they've led their sheep than those who have listened. So we need to take account of the fact that our leadership in this church are accountable to God. But we have confidence in them. So submission does not include yielding to abusive, cruel, domineering, or unjust behaviour. That's tyranny. That's not what God expects when he calls us to submit to him. And submission to God is easy when we remember and appreciate that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So by demonstrating our love for God and for one another in godly submission, we have a hope that doesn't disappoint. In Christ, we have a living hope. So I close with just a couple of scriptures. Job twenty two twenty one says, Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Lord Almighty, you will be restored. And lastly, in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Amen. 
The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, Spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.